We're going to finish up the series tonight on the characters of Job. We've looked at Job, the, uh, the one the book was written by, for. Uh, we looked at the friends of Job. And we all need friends like that, don't we? And we looked at the wife of Job. I mean, we kind of give her a bad rap. But y'all got to remember, she was going through the same thing that Job was going through. She might have said something she probably wished she hadn't said, curse God and die. But she was hurting too. She wasn't having a great day either. So that. Then we look at the one that feel that wrote the book, Elihu. Last week we looked at that old dirty, rotten scandal, the devil. And what he does and how he does. And he's good at what he does. But he's only in the book for two chapters, and that's it. He messes up a man's life for an awful long time. The devil's going to mess your life up for a long time. As long as you're in this flesh, as long as you walk in this world, the devil's going to be after you. He's going to come for you. He's going to try to discourage you. He's going to try to get you to drop out of church, try to get you to quit reading the Word of God, hanging out with God's people. He's going to try his best to do whatever he can to get you to say, I am done. I am finished. Can I say, we should never ever say that. And we're going to look at night at God. What can I say? I could say, hey, God is God. We're going home tonight because we can't say nothing more about him. He is good. He is great. But Job chapter 1 tonight, verse number 6. We've read this before. I think we've read it just about every time we went on this. And now there was a days when the Son of Gods were, came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto jo Satan, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Has thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, and one that feareth God, and it sureth evil. Let us pray. Father, we just thank tonight, Lord. We ask you to touch our hearts, hope and lift us up and encourage us, Lord. We know that we're fighting a fight tonight, but we know that you're still God. And we'll praise you. We'll glorify you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Uh, when I read this, I want to say, God, if you're in the devil or ever having a conversation with my name brought up, just leave me out of it. I, I don't want it. I know that you'll never bring my name up because I'm not on the same level that Job was. I'm not even in that pecking order. But if there's some weird chance somehow that my name comes up in the conversation with you and the devil, just leave me out of it. So I see what Job goes through. Why would God even bring up Job? Why would God do this? Let me just say this. It ain't like the devil didn't know who Job was. It didn't catch him off guard. God said, have you considered my servant Job? And Devin didn't go, hey, who is Job? I've never heard of him. I've never seen anything about him. And it ain't like the devil don't already know Job. Job the devil had already been scoping out Job already. 
looking for that opportunity to, to ruin him. Because when God brings up Job, Satan doesn't say, hey, I've never heard of him. But the devil said unto him, he's got good reason to fear you. He's got good reasons to serve you. Satan knew this man. So you could say, uh, why would God bring up Job? Now please don't miss this. I, I thought about it. Why would God do that? What is the point of having something in your life? What is the point of having something that you want to, that you purchase, that you want to show off and let the world know that, hey, this is mine. If you're born again tonight, what is the point of the king of glory to having a trophy and he sticks it in a trophy case and doesn't show it off to anybody? He, he wants to show off his trophies. You are a true trophy of God. God wants to show you off. It's just like uh, he's wanting to brag on Job. Have you ever considered my servant Job? How many of you uh, uh, ladies have bought a brand new dress and just want to go and show it off? Look what I've got. A, a new haircut. Look what I got. You want to show it off. How many men have, have gone out fishing and, and said, hey, you ought to have seen the one that got away. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Y'all get that later on. But we, we've got something that we want to show it off. We don't want to hide it. We want the world to know that we've got it. And, and you know, if you want to know what people's got in this world, just turn to social media. They're going to tell you what they've done. They're going to tell you what they bought. They're going to tell you where they've been. They're going to tell you everything about that. They're not ashamed to tell the world, this is me. This is how God looks at Job. Verse 8. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou concerning my servant Job? In 2 Timothy, he says, But in a great house there's only vessels of gold and, and silver but also of wood and earth, and some to honor, and some, don't miss the dishonor. Now when he's talking about honor and dishonor, he's not talking about the vessel itself. He says you're not honor or dishonor. What he's talking about, you're bringing honor to God, or you're bringing dishonor to God. Verse 21 says, If a man therefore purge himself from these he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, meet for the master, prepared in every good work for God. In order for a vessel to be used, in order for someone to have a vessel they can use, that vessel must be, go through a process and be put into the fire. The temperature has to be just right for that vessel. And the, the, when the potter puts his vessel into the fire, he, he's standing there and he's listening for something. And they say it's called the singing. That vessel, when it hits the right temperature, the vessel will actually start to hum. 
And they said that's the singing. They're listening for that. And what that's telling them, that vessel is at for good use. That vessel is ready. That vessel has met everything it can be. Listen to me. God says he, uh, he's going to put you on show. He's going to show you off. And he's just putting you in a fire. You say, why is a fire in my life? Why am I going through where I'm going? God is trying to show you off to the world and to the devil. And he's waiting for you to just start singing the praises of God. He's listening for something from a child of God this evening. And when he gets that vessel out, they said, they thumped that vessel. And they can always tell when they thumped that vessel whether it was good or not. You thump and it goes, it's no good. But they said if you thump it and that sound radiates through it, that means it's good. And God is looking for some people. God is looking for some Christians today that will take the fire and start singing. And it don't matter when you get thumped every now and then. It's not going to break you down. It's not going to catch you down. But you'll start singing more and more for God. Can I say God was sadly misunderstood Throughout the entire book of Job. From chapter 1 all the way to chapter 42. They just don't get God. They're no different from us. I really think that we're going to get to heaven. Look back and say. Man I really missed that. I, I didn't see that. I didn't know the Lord was doing that in my life at that time. I blamed the Lord for this happening. I blamed the Lord for this is going on in my life. And it wasn't him at all, the things that you were going through. I thought that was the Lord, and it wasn't at times in my life. The Lord is misunderstood in our life. You say, how, how was he misunderstood? Well, his punishment was misunderstood. Everybody thinks Job is going through this because of God. But it wasn't God. It was Satan. Job 1 and 16 says everybody thinks Job is going through, was God uh, doing it to him, but it's Satan. He said, uh, and he said the, the fire of God had fallen down. That was not the fire of God that fell down and consumed that. If you read uh, uh, Revelations 13, 13, you'll find out the Antichrist can call down fire from heaven too. In chapter 2 and verse 3, still he beholdeth fast his integrity, although moveth me against him, to destroy him without cause. God said you make, you make him think that I'm trying to destroy him. Job thinks this is the end of the book, that God is the reason why he's going through everything he's going through. In chapter 42 and verse 11, said he, he bemoaned him and he confronted him over at the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. It wasn't God that did it. God did allow it, yes. All the way through the book of Job, God is sadly misunderstood. 
He doesn't know it was, wasn't God. It wasn't God punishing him. But why did God allow it? Why would God allow that? John chapter 9 talks about the man blind from birth. And his disciples came to Jesus and says, Who sinned, this man or his parents? Jesus said, Neither. And they're being like most Baptists. What do you mean? Somebody had to have sinned. He's blind. Somebody had to sin. Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be manifest in him. Why did God allow this to happen in Job's life? So that God could get some glory out of it. Why does God allow things to happen in your life so God can get the glory out of it? Same thing with Lazarus. When Lazarus died, his family was grieving. They were going through all this trouble, and they came to Jesus. Why? Why? And Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereof. God is more concerned with getting the glory than your comfort. Can I say that again? God is more interested in getting the glory than your comfort. We as Christians, we don't want to go through troubles. We don't want to go through trials. We don't want to have a dark day. We don't have a bad day. But God says, in order for you to be, bring me glory, then you must go through the fire. You must go through trials. You must go through tribulation. You've got to go through these things in order to bring God the glory. Because what he's saying is, my child of God is able to go through difficulties of this world and yet come out on the other side singing and praising the glory of God. Too many of us get through a trial and we get right in the middle of a trial and we throw our hands up and say, I'm through with this. I'm tired of this. I don't want this no more. You're not bringing glory to God. You're not bringing honor to God. Listen, don't automatically blame God when things don't go right in your life. Well, it's God's fault why this has happened to me, why I'm going through this. Listen, God, you can blame God all day. You can attack God all day. But God is misunderstood here. But, you know, throughout the entire book, God never defends himself. When they keep making these accusations against God, God never defends himself. Not one time did God explain to Job, it's not me, Job. It's not me. It's the devil. God does not get defended by letting some person accuse him. But God does get defended. Defended by someone writing this book to give us insight on what God was in glory, what God was doing in the earth. We see that what God was doing in glory. He defends himself by allowing the book of Job to be written to show that it's not God that's doing this. It was the devil. Let me give you three quick things. 
God's presence was misunderstood. In chapter 23, verse 8 and 9. Behold, I go forward, but he's not there. And I backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, worth do his work. But I cannot behold him. He hath hidden himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. Job said, I've looked all around. God, God is gone. God has left me. In chapter 29, verse 1, he says, Moreover, Job continued the parable and said, O God, that I were in the months past, as in the days when God's presence preserved me, when his candle spent about my head, and when by the light I walked through the darkness, as I was in the day of my youth. Now don't miss this. When the Almighty was yet with me. When the Almighty was yet with me. Job thought because of all the things that he was going through, what he was facing, the trials, and everything's gone wrong in his life. He said, God has left me. God has abandoned me. God has deserted me. He said, I wish it was like the days of my youth. I, I wish it was like the days that I could feel the presence of God. Just because Job could not see God or feel God. Just because Job wasn't experiencing God. That didn't mean God was not there. God had not wrote Job off. That was not meaning that Job, God did not know what was going on in Job's life. In fact, there's times when he shows us, he reveals that he never left Job nor forsake him, nor turn his back on Job. Can I say it's easy in those darkest hours of your life. Don't, don't misunderstand me. It is easy in those darkest hours of your life that starts misunderstanding God. And say, I, I can't feel God. I can't experience God. I don't see God. Where is God at? God has totally abandoned me. God has turned his back on me. It's in that darkest time. That's when we start doubting God. Where are you at, God? I'm going through this. I'm facing this. And I can't feel you know around. I'm looking all around me. I don't see you, God. I don't feel you, God. Where are you at? I find this. This. When God is the most silence in my life, that's when I feel the closest to God. I just couldn't see it at the time. I'm glad in the dark hours of my life, He has never left me. He was there all the time. There's an unseen hand that was guiding and leading me, and I couldn't see it. You couldn't see it. Can I say just trust in that unseen hand tonight? Amen. Trust in that hand tonight. He will lead you. He will guide you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will be with you. Amen. David said, whether shall I go in the spirit? Or whether shall I, 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 I flee from the presence? I ascend up to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. 
If I take the wings of the morning and the devil in the othermost parts of the sea, even there shall my hand be fear thee. And you give a hold of me. There is not a place, child of God, that you can go that God ain't been there, that God ain't there with you. There's not a dark night that God has left you or forsaken you. He's with you in that dark time. He's there in the storms. He's there when the waves come crashing in. But we misunderstand God so much that we don't see Him. But that doesn't change the fact that God has never left you. God hasn't deserted you. In fact, He said, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. But Job didn't see that. Job just saw the things that he was facing. And I understand that. We're the same way. We're the exact same way. When trouble comes our way, we're focusing in on the trouble. Amen. How many of y'all got trouble coming? You go, says, I'm not looking at the trouble because I know God's got you. Tell a fib. You're, you're the same way I am. When trouble comes my way, I am fearful and I get to looking at everything else other than God and I lose sight of God and I know I know this and I know this that God said I'll never leave you never forsake you I'm closer than a brother but in the midst of my troubles and trials I don't feel God I'm trying to find his presence but I can't find him I'm trying to feel him but I can't feel him why is that God because God says you got to go through the fire and you get in that fire and you hit that right temperature you start that singing oh Lord no matter what I'm going through oh Lord you're still my God you're still my Savior I can't see what's going on the darkness night has fallen upon me I'm just going to stick my hand out and Lord let you lead me let you guide me I'm holding on to that unseen hand we have a God that's misunderstood in his presence it's misunderstood. Don't ever forget this. God is with you at all times. All times. You may not be finding it. You might not be looking. But God has never left you. Look at chapter 38. Told you going to be quick tonight. We'll end this series. His presence is misunderstood. Now, when you get to chapter 38, God speaks up. And boy, did God speaks up. I, just about to be honest with you, by honest with you, how many have read the book of Job over and over? Now, you tell me you got to chapter 38, you say, whoo, this is some good reading here. You do not. I'm reading, and I'm thinking, how in the world can I preach on this? I, I, I said, well, I'm reading, and God is just telling Job, hey, Job, look what I've done. Look what I've done. God's spoken mysteries. Verse 1 of chapter 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said. Now, he's been listening to Job. 
his friends and everybody just say, God did this, God did this. You've sinned, you've got sin in your life. Job says, I know, and Job is starting to get into this self-righteous thing about him. And God says, you know what? I'm tired of it. It's time for me to say something. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is it that darkened counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up thy loins like a man, for I am demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where hast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. He said, Job, where was you at when I created the heavens and the earth? What were you doing at that time? Where were you at, Job? I was looking for you, Job. You wasn't there. I couldn't feel you. I couldn't see you, Job. Where are you at? Who have laid the measures thereof thou knowest, or who have sketched the line, stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the stars, morning stars sang together, all the sons of God shouted for glory, for joy. Or who shut up the seas with the doors when it breaks forth as if it had issued out of the wombs? And so on and so on and so on. God is speaking mysteries of the creation to Job. said, Job, I want to tell you something. I created the heavens and the earth. I've set the moon and stars up in the heaven. I said this. I formed the mountains and I formed the sea. I put boundaries on the sea. The sea cannot come by this boundary. I'm telling you, Job, I've got all this stuff done by what I said said by the word I spoke. We didn't have architects, Job. I didn't have uh, all these people around and planning it out and everything. I just spoke it, Job. Then, then he goes on and start listing the creations of animals, ostriches, birds, lions, unicorns, and that ain't a one-horned horse either now. He, he started by, then he said, I love it what he said about the birds. And I, I got to think about that bird. Do anybody know the population of birds in the world right now? I do. I looked it up. The population of birds in this world today is 50 billion. Hmm. Then I thought about this. God said he feeds them all. Yeah. He feeds them all. A man said, if you got one bird, it takes you $5 to feed that bird for a month. Now, I don't, the math wizards in here, y'all figured it up five times 50 billion in one month. I figured it up. Even the richest man in the world that's got millions and millions and billions, billions and billions of dollars cannot even feed the birds for one month in this world. But yet God says, I feed them by my hand hour after hour, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. God said, Job, I do all this with my words. Why are you so worried about what you're going through? If I'm able to do all that, I certainly got you. (laughs) I got to think about that as a man. I don't know where you preach on what God said in chapter 38 to chapter 41. How do you preach on that? God's just telling us, look, I've done all that. And he's still doing all this. And he's still got you and I in his hands. Amen. I got, boy, that's some good stuff right there. Whether you like it or not, that's good stuff. Amen. 
God is trying to show Job. He talks about the creations and about the animals and how he holds it all in place. He's just letting us know. I can take care of running the universe and I can take care of you. What is it in your life thinking God ain't got this? What, what, what part of your life you think God hasn't got this? He's doing all this other stuff. He's done all these other things. What part of your life you don't think God has got control over? I can tell you this. I can rest assured. That God's got it so much, so good, I can go home and eat me some butter pecan ice cream and go to bed and not worry one bit about what's going on in this world. That's glorified there. That's sanctified there. You ought to just shout on a pet of pecan mm, ice cream. I got to chill, man. I'm not going to, why are you worried about the things of this world? Why are you worried about everything that's going on when God says, I've got it. I can get it. I'm, he spoke mysteries to Job said, hey, I took care of all this and I'm taking care of all this. I can take care of little old you. Amen. So I can go home and don't have to worry about it. But you know what? We're so opposite than what God wants us to be. We worry about everything, don't we? Every little thing. I worry about if I got enough butter pecan ice cream when I go home. Bless my little. We worry about the little things. We worry about things we should not even cross our minds. We shouldn't, but we do. Worry about whether people like me or not. I used to worry. I don't care no more. Half of you do and half of you don't. I don't care. God likes me. God cares about me. If you stop worrying about what this world and what the devil and what the flesh and what the people are saying, stop worrying about it. Because God's got you. You're in His hands. And if He's got you, you ain't going to worry about nothing. Job, why are you worrying about what's going on? I've got you. I've got you. And we stop worrying about the things that's going on in our life and let's, God, here it is. Here it is. It's going to come out a whole lot better. Come out a lot better. Chapter 5. We see God shows him mercy. He's a merciful God. In chapter 5, James chapter 5, in James chapter 5, is the last time you'll find the name Job mentioned in your Bible. And it gives us an insight on the Lord in James chapter 5, verse number 10. James chapter 5, verse number 10, the merciful Lord. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken the name of the Lord. For an example of suffering, affliction, and patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Yet have heard of the patience of Job. And have seen the end of the Lord. That the Lord was very pitiful. 
and tender, tender in mercy. Where do we find God being merciful in the book of Job? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what Job went through, we say God was merciful. Can I say this? God was merciful before the crisis of Job. God was merciful while Job was in his crisis. And God was merciful when, God, when Job got on the other side of his crisis. Chapter 42, so the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than the beginning. God was merciful for the crisis, between the crisis and beyond the crisis. We said at the very beginning of the study, there is only one person with Job from chapter 1 to chapter 42. His friends come and leave. His friends don't show up to chapter number 3. The devil shows up for two chapters. But God is the mainstay in Job's life from chapter 1 to chapter 42. He's there. He's the only one that's consistent is God. I, I'll say I'd like to thank God for being consistent in my life. I thank God for being good in the crisis, and I thank God being good on the other side of the crisis, and I thank God being good before I even get to the crisis. He is worthy of our praise tonight, before and after and during our crisis tonight. I'm just going to keep on serving Him no matter what I am, no matter where I'm at, no matter what I'm going through. It might be a difficult time. I might not feel Him. I might not see Him, but I know He's there somewhere. The Bible says just look in the shadows. That's where He'll be. But I'm just going to take and let Him lead me by that unseen hand. As long as I stay close to Him, He will guide me. Why is He merciful? Why is He merciful God? God walked with Job through the darkest hours of his life. Child of God, there is a God that will be with you no matter what you go through tonight. No matter what you face, there is a God that will be with you. And we ought to just give him the glory. No matter where you're at in your crisis, no matter where you're at in your life, God is always going to be there. And I find that God... Gets you through those crises, and this is what we need to learn to do. We know that crises are coming. We know trials are coming. They're heading our way. You say, well, I ain't get, just hold on. You'll get one. They say, if you're, headed, you're either heading to a storm, in a storm, or coming out of one, that's true. You are. But you need to learn to say, you know what? Even in the midst of this storm that I'm going through, somehow, some way, I'm just going to give God the glory. I'm just going to raise my hand and say, God, you have been good to me, and I'm just going to keep giving you the glory. Amen. Some of you in trials right now, some of you in storms right now, some of you in the darkest part of your life, darkest hour of your life, and, and let me just say, and you said, I don't feel God. I don't see God's presence. I don't feel him in my life right now. I'm just telling you, he has not left you. He has not forsaken you. He is always there with you. But sometimes he's going to put the fire on us. He's going to bring the trials to us that he may get the glory out of you. So like I said, he puts that vessel into the pot into the fire and they're sitting there waiting for it to hit that right temperature to start singing. I thought about that too. I said, Lord, 
How hot does it take to get me to sing? Hey, how hot it's going to take to get, how, I mean, a lot of us is accustomed to heat somehow or another. And to me, it's going to take a lot because I've been in some hot weather. I enjoy the hot weather. So I imagine if he cuts it up about 190, 100, 200 degrees, I'll probably start singing. Some of y'all around here at 85, you're, oh, oh, amen. I'm, I'm, hey, am I right? What temperature is it going to take to get you to start singing the praises and glory of God? What is it? Ask yourself. Ask yourself right now. If I am going through a trial in my life, I've got something dark in my life, Lord, when is it that I'm going to sing for you? I'm telling you. Give him the glory. Amen. Amen.